Hello and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And my goodness, we've got a free agency podcast to do here. Uh, I purposely left this podcast just a little bit uh, delayed because I just wanted to see how all the pieces fell. We saw there was a ton of action uh, June 30th at 6 p.m. Deals started flowing in for six hours or so, going absolutely crazy. And then uh, some more stuff tar- started to trickle in on July 1st throughout the day. So now recording this on July 2nd with most of the free agents being signed, at least the major ones being signed other than Kawhi Leonard. We're going to go through these and just talk about them a little bit, talk about maybe some themes that I saw during this free agency, and, you know, just kind of go from there. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. I probably won't get to all of it all of it in this podcast, to be honest. So let's just kind of jump into it here, and uh, we'll see where we get to. So the place to start here is clearly with the Brooklyn Nets, who were able to land not only Kyrie Irving, but the major piece, Kevin Durant. Uh, Both of those guys signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant getting the four-year, $164 million contract. Kyrie Irving getting the four-year, $140 million deal. And again, the difference uh, there being KD's 10-year experience in Kyrie's 7-9, which is the difference of the uh, $24 million or so. Uh, But this is massive for Brooklyn. And I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on how Brooklyn was able to get these free agents and not the Knicks, despite the Knicks clearing all this, all this cap space, uh, creating all this room, the mecca of basketball, Madison Square Garden uh, compared to the Barclays Center. We could do a whole podcast just on that. But I think what it really comes down to is that the Brooklyn Nets were able to display competency within their franchise, within their organization, a stable coach, a coach that you can rely on, not one that's coming out every two or three years. You've got stable ownership, stable management there. The Brooklyn Nets facilities are absolutely excellent, as uh, Jared Dudley has outlined uh, via Twitter. And just a whole host of things, I think, has just really pushed uh, the Brooklyn Nets as being the new the new town in in New York it seems and you know just being able to com- to compete in the playoffs and put a uh, a proper basketball product on the floor you know guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, uh, even the uh, even um, some of the younger guys like uh, Rodion Kuruks, you know Jared Dudley was big time for them. There's they just developed a culture there that really seems to Jared Allen is another guy. Uh, just a culture there that seems to really stick and really resonate with uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And I think we've known for a while that these two guys have wanted to play with each other as well. So from what I heard, there was a lot more recruiting of Kyrie than there was of KD. It seems like once they got Kyrie, KD was kind of locked into being able to go there. And this is massive for Brooklyn. I mean, we know that uh, Kevin Durant definitely not going to play next year with that torn Achilles. But uh, we fast forward to the 2020-2021 season and it's it's going to be crazy in that town of Brooklyn, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So that's the big news uh, of free agency so far is Bro- Brooklyn being able and uh, DeAndre Jordan as well. They were able to land, uh, but we'll get to those. We'll go through every single player and where they signed up to this point. We won't give an in-depth analysis of each one, but uh, I think that deserves quite a bit of analysis in terms of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving teaming up to go to the Brooklyn Nets and start a, a new uh, mini dynasty there, hopefully, if they can uh, if they can get some wins and uh, put together a championship. 
So moving on here, Clay Thompson uh, signing the full five-year max with Golden State. Five years, $190 million. Again, Clay Thompson, 29-year-old, uh, unrestricted free agent coming off that torn ACL. I think there was no doubt in anybody's mind that he was staying in Golden State. He loves Golden State. Uh, mentioned many times that he wanted to stay there, and if uh, they were willing to offer the full max, Clay was willing to sign it, and uh, that's what happened. So Clay Thompson going back to the Golden State Warriors on the full 30% max. Tobias Harris, 27-year-old, signing with Philly on the uh, just under the five-year max. He got five years, 180 million, uh, 10 million short of a max deal. Uh, I think from Philly's perspective, given how much they had to give up in terms of draft picks and uh, other assets, you know, guys like Landry Shamit, etc., to be able to go out and get a Tobias Harris, I think the optics would definitely not look good if they were to lose Tobias Harris for nothing, giving all the assets that they gave up. So maybe a bit of an overpay here for Tobias Harris. Again, 27 years old, so uh, still kind of uh, room to grow there in terms of his play and uh, not aging by any means. But five years, $180 million is uh, is a big chunk of change to dedicate to your cap going forward. And um, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. It sounds like ben, uh, uh, an extension for Ben Simmons is being talked about. And uh, we'll get to some of the other signings that Philly made as well. And all we know, Joel Embiid is already locked up as well. Uh, Chris Middleton, 28 years old, re-signing with Milwaukee. Five years, $178 million. Uh, again, another guy that was had a lot of leverage here for Milwaukee. Uh, Mil- Milwaukee needs to kind of prove to Giannis... Uh, in- you know, 2021 is free agency is right around the corner here, and they need to prove to Giannis that they can put a competitive product on the floor and, you know, really continue to compete uh, at the level that they were at last year and hopefully even a little bit further. We know how close they were uh, to a championship there, losing Toronto in to Toronto in six games. So we'll see uh, how Milwaukee plays out this year. Again, they lost a couple of pieces, which we'll talk about, but uh, uh, I think it was necessary for them to keep Chris Middleton, even if it was had, even if it had to be a bit of an overpay, which uh, I think uh, most of us agree uh, it will be taking him into his uh, 33. Uh, 33-year-old season. Now, some of these contracts come with team options. Some come with player options. Not 100% sure which ones come with which, but if I do know which ones come with which, I will be sure to mention that. Uh, moving on here, Chris Taps Porzingis, five years, $158 million with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, 24 years old, Chris Taps Porzingis coming off that ACL injury that kept him off, uh, kept him out all of last year. Uh, obviously, excellent signing for Dallas. We believe that uh, Chris Taps is going to come back with a lot of time to have rehabbed that knee. Uh, pairing him up with Luka Doncic is uh, a great pairing. Two Euro guys there, and they've clearly got their core for the future. Uh, so I think an, an excellent signing, obviously, from Dallas, and given how much they gave up to get him from the New York Knicks, you had to figure that this was uh, the obvious next step uh, is bringing uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis and locking him up long term. So now we go to Jimmy Butler. So the Jimmy Butler portion of things got a little bit complicated. So this actually ended up being a four-team sign-and-trade. And we'll talk about a little bit more about you know the theme of sign-and-trades throughout this free agency. But this was a four-team sign-and-trade, which... Uh, goes as follows so the Sixers are getting Josh Richardson the Miami Heat are getting Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard the Clippers are getting Mo Harkless and a Miami future 2023 protected first rounder and the Blazers are getting Hassan Whiteside so this actually ended up with just a simple you know three-way sign and trade with the Heat the Sixers and the Mavericks and the Mavericks somehow got confused thinking um, they were getting 
some combination of, uh, I think it was uh, Derek Jones Jr. and Kelly Olynyk, and then it was Goran Dragic, and then the whole thing got you know kind of mixed up. So they completely nixed themselves out of the trade, and basically this is the final four-team trade that it ended up with. Um, a little bit of analysis here, I guess, is necessary. Uh, the Sixers, man, the Sixers, you know, Jimmy Butler goes out. You bring in Josh Richardson, a big-time 3-and-D player who showed a bit of ability to be a lead ball handler and lead shot creator, although I think that's a little bit out of his role, and he won't have to be in that role here on the Sixers, but Sixers are going to be an excellent defensive team next year, and uh, Josh Richardson being one of the reasons uh, that's the case. Jimmy Butler going to the Miami Heat. Seems like he won it, and uh, Jimmy Butler going to the Miami Heat. Uh, let me just bring up the contract here. I believe it was a four-year deal. Uh, yes, four-year deal, $141 million. Um, Jimmy Butler, 30 years old. It'll take him into his uh, age 34 season. You know, Jimmy Butler seems like he wanted to be the lead guy there. Uh, I saw a little YouTube clip about uh, something he posted on YouTube on his channel about free agency decisions. He mentioned how he liked to play in warm weather. Uh, the no state income tax is obviously uh, helpful. And uh, it seems like he just the combination of being his own man, getting that uh, full four-year max, and being able to, uh, you know, play in that warm weather, no state income tax, get some extra money there. I think that's big time for Jimmy Butler. And uh, we'll see how uh, Miami fares now uh, with Jimmy Butler as their best player. And now the Clippers, you know, getting the Miami's future 2023 pick. They also have Miami's future 2021 pick as well. Um, but now getting Jimmy Butler, you got to believe both of those picks might be a little bit weaker, uh, given the fact that we think Miami is going to be a little bit more competitive. So, um, some analysis to be that uh, to be stated there, and then the Blazers. Uh, obviously, Mohawk is going to the Clippers. They get another rotation player. Very nice uh, for them. And then the Blazers get Hassan Whiteside, another big time shot blocker. A little bit of insurance in case. Um, Yusuf Nurkic takes a little bit of extra time to come back. You can possibly play those guys together in bigger lineups. You can stagger them a little bit. Uh, so some options there for Portland. I definitely do think that's an upgrade. I know you know the thing on Whiteside is he goes for every shot block. Sometimes uh, your weak side help defense is compromised because of his overzealousness to go and block the original shot instead of uh, you know kind of being disciplined on the backside. But I still think uh, he's an upgrade. I still think uh, that's a great move for Portland to go out and get a Hassan Whiteside to get go and get another big time defensive piece. And you know when you have guards like uh, you know McCollum and Damian Lillard who although have improved a bit defensively have been known to you know be a little bit of a bit of a liability on that end. Being able to have that shot blocker uh, kind of protect the rim on the back end is a big time uh, big time help for them. So I think uh, I think that's a big upgrade there for Portland. All right, next we go to Kemba Walker, uh, who is going to the Boston Celtics. Uh, Kemba Walker, age 29, gets a four-year, $141 million deal. Uh, this comes on uh, the eve of the Charlotte Hornets completely lowballing Kemba Walker, basically offering him a five-year, $160 million deal, which is, uh, you know, Totally underpaying him, in my opinion, uh, given his market value. And this was also a signing trade. So the Celtics are getting uh, Kemba Walker, and the Hornets are sending back Terry Rozier, who I believe got a three-year, fifty-nine million dollar deal. Uh, yes, that's right, three million. Sorry, three years, fifty-eight million dollar deal to be the lead point guard in Charlotte. Uh, questionable decision there, in my opinion, for Charlotte to go out and pay uh, a guy like Terry Rozier, who didn't have uh, you know a couple great years uh, these past couple years. 
uh, even being the backup behind Kyrie Irving, didn't really prove himself to be much more than a backup. So to pay him what seems to be starter money at nearly $20 million a year is questionable in my opinion. Uh, we'll see how Charlotte fares with him as a starting point guard. But I mean, Kemba Walker... Um, you know, he's going to be a little played in a little bit of a different role than uh, he was in Charlotte. I think you can picture Kemba Walker being a lot more like Isaiah Thomas was back in that uh, back in that 2017 season where he went off for 28 a game and looked like to be uh, a superstar max player. Uh, obviously, he hasn't been that since, and we hope he can get get back to that point. But in just terms of, you know, dribble handoff sort of stuff uh, with bigs up top and, uh, you know, just playing a little bit more off the ball, I think... Uh, obviously, he's going to run a ton of pick and roll and stuff like that too. But I can just picture Kemba being used in a lot of the same mold that uh, Isaiah Thomas was uh, used back in that 2016-2017 season. So we'll see how that works for um, for the Boston Celtics. But I think that's a, a good piece of business for them to not take a major step back after losing Kemba Walker and Al Horford, or sorry, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, and be able to recoup that by getting Kemba Walker. Uh, I think is a great piece of business for them. Uh, next deal we got here, D'Angelo Russell going to the Golden State Warriors. This was a big-time shocker at midnight uh, and another signing trade, uh, like a crazy amount of signing trades we have here. So D'Angelo Russell going to the Warriors along with Shabazz Napier and Travion Graham. Napier and Graham have now since be, been rerouted uh, to the Wolves. I think they took them directly into cap space, if I'm not mistaken. And the Nets got Kevin Durant and uh, the Warriors' future first-round pick as well. And for the Warriors also to get D'Angelo Russell, they also had to attach a 2024 lightly protected first rounder to Andre Iguodala and send him off to Memphis to create the space to bring in uh, D'Angelo Russell. So, you know, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, a questionable fit in my opinion here with Steph Curry and obviously Klay Thompson uh, with that ACL not uh, expected to be back for a while into the season. Uh D'Angelo Russell, big-time shooter. He can definitely make plays with the ball in his hand. Uh, Got to believe that those guys, uh, being Steph Curry and Russell, are going to be staggered a little bit. Um, you know, Russell can be a good spot-up shooter. I don't want to discredit his shooting. He's definitely uh, a shooter that can play with Stephen Curry. But it just seems like a guy, in, in terms of D'Angelo Russell, who's better suited, you know, making passes. That was what he was noted for uh, out of Ohio State and with the Lakers and uh, last year with Brooklyn. So a little bit, a little bit of an interesting fit. I'm curious to see how this kind of plays out. But um, if you if you recall, the fact that the Warriors traded for D'Angelo Russell in a sign and trade means they're actually hard capped at the apron uh, of 138 million. So a lot of minimal space for Golden State to work with here to fill out the rest of their roster. And you know you have to believe, hey, if maybe you just did, didn't uh, sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell, you know, kept uh, your ability to have some flexibility open, kept that future first round pick, be able to keep Andre Iguodala and maybe, you know, take a couple of guys in and, uh, uh, on the open market and not hard cap yourself and be able to pay them a little extra more, a little extra money. Um, you got to believe that that might've been, uh, you know, just as equally of attractive, if not a better option. So we'll see how things go with D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he gets the four year, $117 million contract. He's only 23 years old. Uh, I, I believe if he plays to the same level he did last year, I think that's still a tradable deal given him, given his age and maybe Golden State is planning to use him as a trade chip. 
but right now, I think that's uh, it's a little bit of an interesting, a uh, little bit of interesting play here uh, for the Golden State Warriors to go out and get him. So we'll see how that pans out. But uh, I'm kind of a, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of the fit with uh, D'Angelo Russell and the Golden State Warriors. Next here, we've got Al Horford, three, 33-year-old center unrestricted free agent going from Boston over to Philadelphia on a four-year, $109 million deal. Uh, it sounds like um, 12 of those $109 million are championship-tied incentives, so it's more closer to a four-year, four $97 million deal. Uh, Al Horford, uh, you know, really has been casted as a center for most of his career, but natural position actually is power forward. So you can just, you know, already picture the lineup with, you know, Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. That is going to be a stout defensive lineup, a very tough lineup to score on. Al Horford also has the ability, you know, to play with Embiid. He can play center when Embiid is off the floor. So a lot of versatility there. Big time locker room guy, a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit with his shooting as well. So I, you know, I'm interested to see the fit with Al Horford playing with Joel Embiid. I don't, I'm not going to say it won't work, but I think we, it's been a while since we've seen this twin towers look in the front court with two big guys like this so interesting uh to see how that's going to work but uh, I'm, I'm i'm not necessarily ruling out the fact that it will that it won't work because i think there's i could picture a scenario in which it does but i think it's just kind of interesting that we haven't seen this combination in quite a while so i'll be interested to see how that looks on the floor especially when this whole idea of small ball you know still exists but now that the best team in the NBA is not necessarily a small ball lineup. Obviously, Golden State with their Hamptons Five and their and their death lineup isn't necessarily a thing anymore. With the departure of uh, you know Iguodala, Clay Thompson being out, and now uh, Durant being gone from the team as well, we'll see if maybe we have a shift back uh, towards some of those bigger lineups that maybe you're you're bullying guys in the post and not playing as fast, but being able to you know kind of wear teams down on a possession by possession basis. Uh, and and I think Horford can help do that if that's the way they want to go. So interesting fit there with Philly, and we'll see how that plays out. Nikola Vucevic returning to Orlando, 28-year-old, uh, gets a four-year, $100 million deal. Uh, looks like uh, Vucevic going to be one of the uh, the all-time magic players with this deal. Good for him getting his money. Obviously, he was a very effective player last year, and uh, I think I think deserves his money as well. So magic running it back with those same guys uh, with Vucevic as that centerpiece. Again, four years, $100 million. Malcolm Brogdon, 26-year-old point guard, uh, going from Milwaukee to Indiana. And this is another sign-and-trade we've got here as well. So the Pacers obviously get Malcolm Brogdon uh, on that four-year deal worth $85 million. And going back to the Milwaukee Bucks is a first-round pick and two future second-round picks uh, going to the Milwaukee Bucks. An, an interesting piece of business here for the Pacers. It sounds like they wanted to bring back Boyan Bogdanovich and uh, ended up losing him. And so they said, we have to make a move here and basically went out and got their point guard to pair next to Victor Oladipo and TJ Warren there in Malcolm Brogdon. So, you know, four years, $85 million to me is an overpay, I think, for Brogdon. Uh, I, I recognize he was a 50-40-90 guy. You know, that 40% shooting uh, from three is definitely more on a spot-up basis. Uh, one dribble, one escape dribble type of three-pointers. He's not uh, like an elite off-the-dribble, you know, shot creation type of shooter. So we have to take that into account. And the fact that, you know, not only are you paying him, you know, $21 million or so a year here, but now you're also giving up a future first-round pick and two future seconds to have the privilege of signing 
signing him to that contract. I think that's a lot of assets to give up to be able to pay Malcolm Brogdon that deal. I uh, I do think Brogdon definitely makes them uh, the Pacers better on the floor. Absolutely. No doubt about it. He's definitely an upgrade. They're a point guard for the Indiana Pacers. But uh, the amount of resources it took to get him was quite a bit of resources. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that works, you know, kind of down the line for Indiana in terms of their flexibility. But no doubt to me that uh, pairing Malcolm Brogdon there with Victor Oladipo in that backcourt makes him the, a great defensive backcourt. And uh, now you got to believe there's going to be uh, some pairing of uh, Sabonis and Turner together. So, I mean, that, that lineup of Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, obviously when he returns, TJ Warren, uh, Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner is a nice little lineup there. Nice little defensive uh, lineup there along with some uh, some offensive versatility as well. So uh, we'll see how that works for Indiana. But I, I like the move of bringing in Brogdon, but I'm just a little bit questionable at how many resources it took to actually get him there. Um, Harrison Barnes re-signing, 27-year-old, re-signing with Sacramento on a four-year, $85 million deal. Again, I think an overpay here for Harrison Barnes. He had a bit of a down year. Shot a career-high 40% from three, and that's great for him. But uh, again, $21 million a year for Harrison Barnes, I think, is just a little bit too much. But he's a solid player. Uh, He's he's overpaid on this contract, but he's a solid player. But uh, again, I think Sacramento kind of needed that scoring on the wing and needed to lock down that wing position, and they they did so by pairing uh, Harrison Barnes Four years, $85 million. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, 30-year-old unrestricted free agent going from Indiana to Utah on a four-year, $73 million deal. Uh, Bogdanovich, after Oladipo went down, shown to be their main shot creator and their main offensive weapon, and uh, he was very good last year for them. Uh, although the Pacers got swept 4-0 in the playoffs by the Celtics, uh, they maintained that number three seed and were, or I think it was, they ended up number four, if I'm not mistaken, but were just uh, was an excellent team uh, because of his play largely, and uh, this is a nice pickup for Utah. They, they, as we'll see, they did a lot of good stuff. Um, obviously, you got that Connolly, that Connolly trade now, so they're looking at a starting lineup of Mike Connolly, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gobert. I mean, that is a very, very uh, solid starting lineup for them, uh, and they should uh, they should be happy with that. And you got Royce O'Neal coming off the bench. Uh, they were able to sign Ed Davis with the, which we'll get to in a second. So uh, Utah looking like a very solid team, and we'll see uh, how they um, how they fill out the rest of their roster. But big time moves for Utah. They're looking like a contender now in the Western Conference. Julius Randle. Uh, uh, 24, 24 year old unrestricted free agent going to the Knicks on a three year, sixty three million dollar deal uh, with a team option on the end of the on the end of that as well. Uh, Julius Randle here was the big pickup for the Knicks after they disappointed by not getting any of the big time free agents. Uh, this was definitely their best signing of the of the ones that they made. And you know, I I, I like Julius Randle. I was skeptical of him earliest early in his career. Thought it was a little bit too out of control with the ball, but has really uh has really improved his shooting, has really improved his off the dribble game offensively and uh, is, a, is a big-time bully ball guy to, as well if you want to put him in the post. Defensively, he's not going to stop uh, too many people, especially if he's playing center, in my opinion. But, again, it's the New York Knicks. They're still in this rebuilding stage, and this is not a bad deal for Julius Randle, in my opinion. I think he's a, I think he's a big player, and I think he... Uh, you, you don't commit too, much, uh, too many years to him. Again, three years with that uh, uh, team option on the end of the third. And $21 million a year for a big-time scorer like this, I don't think it's too much money either. So, uh, solid piece of business here for the Knicks, but this was one of the few bright spots for them um, out of all of them. So, we'll see how it goes. Okay, so we'll, we'll get into a little bit of uh, less... 
uh, of analysis for the rest of these guys and just kind of try to name them uh, more of a quicker kind of runoff going off from here. Uh, 28-year-old Terrence Ross re-signing with Orlando, four years, $54 million. Really so showed some shooting in the playoffs, so they wanted to bring him back. Brooke Lopez, 31-year-old uh, unrestricted free agent, re-signing with Milwaukee, four years, $52 million. Again, his shooting was very important to them. Good to bring him back uh, once again. Ricky Rubio, 28-year-old point guard, uh, going from Utah to Phoenix on a three-year, $51 million deal. $17 million a year, quite a pay there for... Uh, Ricky Rubio, but Utah needed a point or sorry, um, what am I saying? Uh, Phoenix needed a point guard and they went out and got one. Jonas Valanciunas opted out of his $17 million player option. Um, he's a 27-year-old. He's going to re-sign with Memphis on a three-year, $45 million deal. Again, opting out of that $17 million to get uh, $15 million a year, but more years. Just some security there for Valanciunas. He was excellent down the stretch for Memphis after he was traded uh, from Toronto to Memphis in that Gasol trade. Uh, Thaddeus Young um, going to Chicago on a three-year, $41 million deal. I like this move for Chicago. I think that uh, picking up a nice versatile player like Thaddeus Young, especially defensively, is going to help them uh, actually stop some people. Uh, you know, with the the pairing of Kobe White and uh, and Zach Levine in the fr- in the backcourt, they're not stopping too many people. So getting a defensive guy like Thaddeus Young, I think, is pretty big for them. Nice pickup there. Uh, Patrick Beverly re-signing with the Clippers, three years, forty million at uh, just over thirteen million a year. Uh, nothing to be said about Patrick Beverly. We know the type of stopper he is. I think a very nice pickup there for the Clippers to secure that point guard spot next to Shea Gildress Alexander. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, 31-year-old center, going to the Brooklyn Nets on a four-year, $40 million deal. Uh, Kyrie and KD actually took haircuts on their deal to bring in DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Clearly, they're good friends uh, with DJ, the three of them. And so even though I think... Jared Allen's going to be getting most of the minutes if uh, bringing DJ on board at this price was what you needed to pay to be able to get Kyrie and KD. I think that's more than a capable, uh, more than a worth it price. Uh, But I suspect DeAndre Jordan is going to be coming off the bench for Brooklyn. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, 30-year-old, unrestricted free agent going from Atlanta, signing with Sacramento for three years, $40 million. I like Dedman's game. I think he's a uh, solid center, showed some ability to stretch the floor from three, and he's got some nice defensive versatility as well. Uh, you can play him uh, next to Bagley as well, which would be nice uh, going forward. Corey Joseph, 28 years old. He's signing with Sacramento as well on a three-year, $37 million deal. $12 million uh, a year there for Corey. Just over $12 million a year for Corey Joseph. Again, he's going to be backing up Darren Fox and has the potential to play with Fox as well. Maxi Kleba re-signing with Dallas on a four-year, $35 million deal, about $8 million per year. This, seem, this seems like a bit of an overpay given uh, this, the types of centers that were on the market um, uh, in terms of you know guys like uh, Ed Davis, um, well, DeAndre Jordan got $10 million a year, but uh, uh, still some guys left on the market in terms of De- DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, Kevon Looney only got about $5 million a year. Uh, who, who else got paid? Frank Kaminsky about uh, only $5 million a year. Ennis Cantor, $5 million a year. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, $5 million a year. Same with Ed Davis. Uh, Brooke Lopez, or sorry, Robin Lopez in the same mold. So to pay him eight to... Uh, Given where those guys were getting paid, I think that's a bit of an overpay. But again, I like Maxi Kleba's game. I don't think he's a, a terrible player. So if that's what you have to pay him, that's good for them. Um, Seth Curry uh, going to Dallas, uh, returning to Dallas, I should say. Uh, he was went from Dallas to Portland, back to Dallas, had a stint in Sacramento as well. But he's uh, getting four years, $32 million from the Dallas Mavericks, probably going to be uh, their starting point guard, uh, it seems. And they're going to play... 
I think Luka Doncic up there at the three. Uh, nice for the Dallas there. Gets some shooting uh, next to Doncic and Porzingis. A, a guy that's uh, created some gravity there is good for Dallas in my opinion. Rudy Gay re-signing in Sacramento, two years, $32 million, uh, $16 million a year. Again, I think you can uh, cite Rudy Gay as a guy, I think, that has successfully come back from his Achilles in terms of the level of play he was uh, he, he was showing to now where he has gotten to. Good for Rudy Gay getting his money. Uh, Jeremy Lamb signing in Indiana. This was uh, another one that I forgot to, to mention for Indiana. Uh, three years, $31 million, about $10 million a year. Jer uh, Jeremy Lamb, solid player. Uh, I really think he's going to be an asset coming off the bench there for Indiana, again, giving them some nice offense. Good pickup for them. 24-year-old uh, Bobby Portis going to the New York Knicks on a two-year, $31 million deal, again, with a team option on that second year. Um, you know, Portis was looking for his money. He definitely got it here, although I think it's a bit of an overpay. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, 27-year-old point, uh, point guard, shooting guard, uh, going to Chicago here on a three-year, $30 million deal for $10 million a year. Uh, got some size there in the backcourt there for Chicago as well. Nice pickup there. Al Farouk Aminu, 29 years old, going to Orlando on a three-year, $29 million deal. Orlando really likes their long-rangey wings who are, you know, sketchy shooters, and this is another one of those guys. Good for Aminu getting his money, and uh, Portland clearly um, did not want to bring him back uh, or Harkless after, uh, you know, a few years of, uh, I would say, inconsistent shooting at times where it was necessary. We'll put it like that. Uh, George Hill going back to Milwaukee, three years, $29 million. He's, uh, he could be their start. I think he's probably going to be their starting point guard there, uh, in Milwaukee, unless anything changes. One of my favorite deals uh, that got announced right at 6 p.m. is J.J. Redick, 35-year-old uh, shooting guard who had one of the best years of his career last year, going to the New Orleans Pelicans on a two-year, $26.5 million deal, thirteen about $13 million per year. Again, gets uh, New Orleans that much-needed shooting that they were looking for, given the fact that they didn't have uh, much before him. So he's going to start, provide some nice spacing there uh, for the Pelicans. I really like that pickup. Thomas Bryant, 22-year-old, uh, going back to Washington, three years, $25 million, about $8 million per year. I like Thomas Bryant. I actually, he's my pick for most improved player. You heard that here first. Um, I, I like what he's been doing in the offseason from what I understand. 22 years old, a lot of room to grow for him, and I really think that he can uh, be an, a weapon on both ends of the floor. I think he's got a lot of room to grow, so good for him. Um, Trevor Ariza going to Sacramento, two years, $25 million deal there. Um I think Houston was going after him, trying to bring him back. Unfortunately, couldn't do so given the payment. Reggie Bullock going to the Knicks, uh, two years, $21 million deal there with a team option on the second year. Some shooting there for New York. Taj Gibson also going to the New York Knicks, two years, $20 million, another team option. Alfred Payton going to the Knicks, two years, eight, uh, sorry, $16 million, $8 million per year, team option on that one as well. And finally for the Knicks, Wayne Ellington, uh, two years, sixteen million as well, eight million per year, and a team option on that one as well. So there's your there's your Knicks signings uh, to be sure, and uh, team options on most of those as they look to preserve some space uh, for the 2021 offseason where they're hopefully making looking to make a splash. Uh, Rodney Hood going back to Portland on a two-year, uh, $16 million deal, $8 million per year. Uh, good for them bringing him back. Kevon Looney going back to the Golden State Warriors, three years, $15 million, $5 million per year. And that basically uh, ends their ability to spend any more money as we talked about the hard cap for them off the signing trade from Russell. 
Derrick Rose going to Detroit on a two-year, $15 million deal, $7.5 million per year. Good for them to get some shot creation of they, as they have very little right now outside of Reggie Jackson. Damari Carroll going to the Spurs on a two-year, $13 million deal, $6.5 million per year. This is a big-time steal, I think, for the Spurs to be able to get a nice 3 and D guy who can knock down some shots and defend his position. Those guys are really sought after, and for the Spurs to be able to lock him up, I think, is, uh, is a nice piece of business there. Dorian Finney-Smith going to Dallas on a three-year, $12 million deal, $4 million a year for him. Uh, Ish Smith uh, going to Washington uh, to be their point guard uh, until John Wall gets back at least for $12 million over two years, $6 million per year. Daniel House uh, going to the Houston, back to the Houston Rockets on a three-year, $11 million uh, $11 million over three years, about uh, just under $4 million per year. He showed some signs of being a very effective player for, uh, for them uh, in the playoffs and in the regular season. We know he was going back on that little uh, two-way stint that he was going after. Uh, Daniel Tice going back to Boston, two years, $10 million. Uh, looks like the room exception there. Uh, Boston desperately needed a center. Uh, right now, I think it looks like their center rotation is going to be Ennis Cantor, uh, Daniel Tice, and Robert Williams. So they desperately needed some uh, depth there at the center position. Garrett Temple uh, going to the Brooklyn Nets on a two-year, $10 million deal. A nice piece of business for them to get him at $5 million per year. He'll be a nice depth piece off the bench. Uh, he's got some shooting ability and a little bit of shot creation ability as well. Uh, Mike Scott go, going back to Philadelphia on a two-year, $9.8 million deal. Looks like the room exception there for Mike Scott as well. He provides them, uh, that being Philadelphia, with some shooting. Uh, Frank Kaminsky going to the Phoenix Suns on a two-year, $9 million deal at uh, just under $5 million per year. Uh, Ennis Cantor, as I talked about, uh, going to Boston on a two-year, $9 million, just, just under $10 million. Basically the same contract that Frank Kaminsky got there uh, over there in Boston. Uh, I mean, Ennis Cantor heading to Boston. Same contract Kaminsky got as he's as Kaminsky's going to Phoenix. Uh, Rashawn Holmes going to Sacramento on a two-year deal uh, at the same price as Ennis Cantor and Frank Kaminsky there, just under $10 million. And Ed Davis uh, going to the Utah Jazz as a backup center there, getting the same contract as those three guys I mentioned. Two years, just under $10 million. And finally, uh, Robin Lopez going to Milwaukee. Uh, to back up his brother, uh, Brooke Lopez, on a two uh, two years, just under $10 million deal. So just quickly, I want to run through these guys. So Frank Kaminsky, Ennis Cantor, Rashawn Holmes, Ed Davis, and Robin Lopez all got the same deal. That two-year, basically uh, $9 million, uh, basically just under $10 million, $975,000. Nine million seven hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. All four of those, all four of those guys. So all five of those guys, I should say. So out of that group, being Kaminsky, Cantor, Holmes, Davis, and Robin Lopez, I think probably the best center there is. Oh, I probably would say it's between Ed Davis and Robin Lopez. If I had to pick, I'm probably gonna go with Ed Davis just because I think he has a little bit better defensive versatility uh, there for Utah. And he's going to be a backup center as well. I know Robin Lopez is as well. And Robin Lopez is a big-time uh, box-out guy. Really facilitates defensive rebounding as well. Uh, so that's uh, that's excellent for them. But I think those two will probably be the best guys um, for that contract. Uh, I really like that Ed Davis move over to Utah, though. I, I enjoy that one quite a bit. Uh, interesting signing here for the Toronto Raptors. Um, they are signing Matt Thomas out of the Euro League on a three-year 
four uh, four point two million dollar deal, uh, about one point four million dollars per year. Matt Thomas, twenty five year old guard here. Uh, don't know really too much about him, but I do know he's just an elite shooter. Uh, Sam Vicini has talked about him as one of the best shooters outside of the NBA. Uh, maybe the best shooter. Uh, Synergy Sports posted a stat that he's uh, effective field goal percentage uh, of 82% on catch and shoot three-point shoot three-point shots, including a 99% shooting percentage on shots that are three-point shots that are unguarded. That is incredible shooting numbers. So I mean, I don't know what his rest of his game looks like, but that for that, that is wow. That is just an impressive number anywhere you can shoot the ball like that. So uh, good to see. We'll, hopefully we'll see him in Summer League to see really what he looks like shooting the ball there for Toronto. Mario Hazonia headed to Portland. Um, they were the void of forwards after getting rid of Harkless and Aminu. So he's going to Portland on a two-year, $3.6 million deal, $1.8 million per year. Jose Barea coming off that uh, unfortunate Achilles injury. He's heading back to Dallas for the veterans minimum of $2.5 million. Anthony Tolliver also headed to Portland on a one-year $2.5 million deal. He's getting the veteran, veterans minimum as well. Isaiah Thomas going to Washington on a $1.23 million deal. Looks like he's just looking for some opportunity uh, to be the main guy and see what he can do in that situation. Uh, Troy Daniels, 28-year-old shooting guard, heading to the Lakers on a uh, one-year two-point. Uh, sorry, about two million dollar deal there. Nerlens Noel, 25, uh, heading back to OKC on a two million dollar deal as well. Kyle O'Quinn uh, heading to Philly on a one-year two million dollar deal. Tim Fraser headed to Detroit on a 1.8 million dollar deal, and finally. Jordan Bell heading to Minnesota on a $1.6 million deal. So that is all the signings that I know of so far. And I could be missing some. I might be missing some trades. Looks like I think Austin Rivers is heading back to uh, Houston for the minimum as well. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams heading back to Orlando for the minimum, it seems. Uh, I think OKC has signed Alec Burks. Mike Mascala going to OKC as well. So there's a couple more trickling in here. I understand that. But that's all the ones that I know concrete for sure. So, just rounding this out, uh, obviously we're still waiting on Kawhi Leonard. It seems like Toronto, the Clippers, and the Lakers are the three teams that are in the running to sign Kawhi. And, you know, the waiting game is hurting all three of those guys uh, as of right now. Uh, sorry, all three of those teams, especially the Lakers. The Lakers are being hurt by this the most. Uh, they are foregoing signing any sort of role players until they have a decision on whether or whether or not they're getting Kawhi. And, we've and we just went through all of those signings that I've spoken about over the last half hour or so. And you can see that a lot of those guys would have helped the Lakers. A lot of those guys on those deals that they got elsewhere would have helped the Lakers. And if they don't get Kawhi Leonard, it's going to be a lot of slim pickings left for them to be able to go out and get some players. I mean, we're now you're looking at, um, you know, maybe you bring back Contavious Caldwell-Pope, you know, Iman Shumper, but he's got bird rights with Houston there. You know, Danny Green, maybe he will go to the Lakers if they get Kawhi. But if not, you got to believe he's going to follow Kawhi where he goes. Outside of that, you know, Miritich has gone to Europe. Uh, you're looking at, you know, Lance Thomas, the Morris Twins, Justin Holiday, Lance Stevenson, Glenn Robinson, Emmanuel Moutier, Stanley Johnson, Trey Lyles, Jeff Green. Like, these are the guys that are left uh, for the Lakers to sign because they, they weren't able to get 
uh, or if they're not able to get Kawhi Leonard. This is the type of uh, stuff that's left on the market. So dangerous game the Lakers are playing. The Clippers, you know, same idea. They're they're playing that game too, but you know, at least they have a uh, like kind of a roster intact. They have an idea of what their roster is going to be either way. Like right now, Lakers have like four players on their roster, so it's harder for them to actually envision, you know, what it's going to look like. Whereas the Clippers. They've already made some moves. They brought in Mo Harkless. They've uh, they've re-signed Patrick Beverly. They still got Shea Gilders Alexander, uh, Landry Shamit, uh, and uh, you know obviously a few other guys there for the Clippers. So it's not like they're it's not like they're completely you know the void of any you know any players. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they play this out as well. Um, because they're, you know, obviously, I'm just going to go through the Clippers roster here. I think it's uh, about time. They get, still got Lou Williams, still got Danilo Gallinari, Montrez Harrell, Avicii Zubac, you know, Jerome Robinson, Sidarius Thornwell, Rodney Magruder, I think who they have uh, restricted rights on. So they actually have a roster, but the Lakers don't. So they're in two different positions there, in my opinion. And the Raptors, you know, the Raptors also are being hurt by this just because if they knew that they weren't going to get uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, maybe they could go out and on the free agent market, maybe try to sign another wing uh, on to get them some death, maybe another shooter or whatnot. So they're being hurt as well. But I think the Lakers are being hurt the most by uh, this Kawhi waiting game. So we'll have to see where he signs. He's going to shift the balance of power quite a bit uh, in either conference, depending on where he goes. But we'll see where he signs. It's still kind of to be determined. So a couple themes here. A couple themes is, number one, uh, the, the amount of signing trades. There were at least four. At least four signing trades in the case of Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell, and Malcolm Brogdon. It seems like players are trying to do these teams a favor or teams are trying to do other teams favors by, you know, facilitating these signing trades. And it sounds like some of these other teams, you know, like that four-team signing trade with the Sixers, the Heat, the Clippers, and Blazers are just trying to get in on that to see if they can, you know, be able to, you know, recoup some assets by taking some guys into cap space, using their cap space to facilitate some trades, things like that. So that that's been really helping some of these teams as well. Um, so a lot of signing trades, a lot of, uh, you know, players kind of directing uh, where they want to go and teams kind of helping them get there. So I thought that that was interesting. And then the last thing I think in terms of theme, a theme is, you know, I think 2020 is really not a desired free agent year uh, for these teams. I think teams are really positioning themselves for 2021 where there's going to be a lot more free agents. And I think the Knicks embodied that by giving a, their amount of two-year and three-year deals and, you know, almost no one-year deals. So that kind of tells you what most of these teams are kind of positioning themselves towards very few one-year deals here being given out. Uh, if, if I just go through them real quick, I can probably point them out. So one-year deal given to, uh, you know, Jose Barea, Anthony Tolliver, Isaiah Thomas, Troy Daniels, Nerlens Noel, Kyle O'Quinn, Tim Fraser, Jordan Bell, and Michael Carter-Williams. Like, those are the only one-year deals that got given out, which really tells you that this was the year that cap space needed to be used to lock in these guys going forward. So we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that goes from there. So last thing I want to talk about is a couple of winners. A couple of winners that I had from this free agency deadline. So obviously, big winner, Brooklyn. Brooklyn gets Kyrie and Kemb... Or sorry, Kyrie and uh, KD. Brooklyn's a big-time winner. No doubt about it. Another big winner, Philadelphia. Philadelphia w- w- lost you know, uh, Jimmy Butler and was able to get Al Horford and, um, Josh Richardson to replace 
those two guys. Those are no scrubs. Like, that is a nice piece of business there for the Sixers to be able to recoup some value after losing a big-time player like Jimmy Butler. Um, another winner I got, honestly, and, like, is... It's not... It sounds crazy that I think these guys are a winner, but I think, like, the... The Pelicans are a winner for getting J.J. Redick at $13 million a year. Like, they were so in need of shooting, and they went out and got the best shooter on the market. They went out and got J.J. Redick, like the guy that's going to be able to provide all the spacing for them, fits so good with their squad, a great locker room guy, and didn't have to pay, you know, an exuberant amount, you know, didn't pay in the $18, $20 million range. Got him for $13.5 or $12.5 million a year. So a great price for J.J. Redick, and they they filled the need absolutely perfect. So I thought that they were a big winner here. And the last big winner I got for me is Utah. Utah really positioned themselves nicely here in the Western Conference, able to go out and get Boyan Bogdanovich, another nice offensive threat, and were able to go and secure the backup center position with Ed Davis as well. So now, you know, Utah looking like a very nice team, has some nice depth on their team, a nice starting five. I think that they've done a really great job retooling their roster to be uh, competitive here uh, going forward in the near future. So great job by Utah doing that as well. And outside of that, I mean, maybe you could call Portland a winner. I, th- I, you know, I think they did a good job upgrading, getting a uh, Hassan Whiteside. They were able to, you know, retool in the forward market. You know, getting Anthony Tolliver. Uh, sorry, who else did they get? Yeah, they got Anthony Tolliver. Getting, you know, Mario Hazonia, who's still looking on a looking to prove it type of guy. They brought back Rodney Hood, so they were able to get, uh, you know, some forward type of guys, which is good for them. And they were also able to get. You know, Hassan Whiteside, who I think is a solid upgrade uh, at center. And they're still getting uh, Yusuf Nurkic back, too. So that in itself is uh, um, a big-time upgrade there for Portland. Um, the losers of free agency, obviously the Knicks. That's tough to say the Knicks aren't a loser in free agency. They missed out on all the big guys. Uh, I would say they, did, they didn't panic. They didn't go out and give Tobias Harris like a five-year max just because they missed out all on the first-tier guys, which is good. That, that honestly is good, but... Um, and they positioned themselves for 2021, understanding that 2020 wasn't the deepest free agent class. So those two things are good, but it's hard for me to ignore the fact that, you know, J- uh, Dolan goes on the radio and says, oh, we're we're going to get all these max deal max deal guys where all these free agents want to come to us. They traded Porzingis to clear all this cap space to get these guys, and none of them go there. The Porzingis trade now looks like a, a mini disaster, a major disaster, I should say. And um, and now the Knicks are just kind of back in the same place that they were before. So I have to call the Knicks a loser. And, you know, I don't really have too many other, like, losers in the deadline per se. Like, I, I don't have anybody else that lost in my opinion. But uh, I don't think I necessarily have any other winners either. So we'll just leave it at that. So thanks for listening. It was so hard to get all of these, you know, deals uh, you know, compacted into a podcast that wasn't going to last like an hour and a half, just me talking and rambling by myself. So I just figured the best way was to give the analysis that I did on some of the bigger free agents and then just kind of run through some of the more minor ones. And I think that's probably the best way to go from uh, from that standpoint. So, uh, so we'll see. So most of the major guys are off the board. You know, some more guys will trickle in uh, as the free agent class goes on and we'll be sure to get to those guys. But uh, yeah, an, an interesting free agent class 
to, to be sure. A lot of movement, a lot of signing trades, a lot of uh, long-term money locked up, and uh, the league has completely changed. It's completely changed. Uh, if Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers, we won't have any super teams per se, and in both conferences, it seems like uh, the ability to win the title is wide open. A lot of teams that are competing in the East, a lot of teams that are competing in the West, and there's no, I would say, clear favorite in either. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting 2019-2020 season, and uh, I'm glad that this uh, free agent class facilitated that. So thanks so much for watching, or sorry, I should say thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, soon time with more content. We might do some summer league stuff, might do some team previews, uh, and so the content doesn't end here. It's a 12-month sport, and uh, that will continue. So hope to hear from you soon. Till then.